Hey, and welcome to our week seven learning reflection. I'm Liam Scobie. I'm Shanir. I'm Leah. And today we're going to be talking about three really interesting videos in American Mosque, Homecoming King, and Left of Black with Dr. Suad Abdul-Kabir. Uh, I hope you enjoy our thoughts. So in the documentary in American Mosque, I thought one of the most important themes that really was reflected throughout the film was the fact that the mosque represented much more than just a building to a lot of the people in the community. Um, like, for example, a quote, um, they had said, this is who we are as Muslims and Americans. This is our home. So they kind of talked about how the mosque represented both the, the combination of their faith and also their um, identity as Americans and bringing them together was kind of representative of like a new age in their like American lifestyle combining with their religion. Yeah, um, I think like what was so transformative and it was said towards the end of the film was like, you know, even though this tragedy happened, like, you know, um, he's saying you, you burned down the building, you burned the building down, but you really didn't destroy the spirit. So like this tragedy happened and like, you know, like it was devastating. But like, I mean, with the support of, um, you know, just the religious community and other people who cared about the mosque, like it was it was able there a second mosque was able to be um, built. And I think the fact that, like, you know, they still had the strength to, um, you know, build a second mosque after like their their work, their hard work had already just been destroyed. Is, is a testament to the, um, what Leah was saying about like, you know, their courage and, um, you know, co just coming together as a community to like, you know, uh, make, like build something that, you know, is not just like, just just uh, like a plate, like a landmark that's home for them, you know, coming together to, to build their home again. Yeah, I definitely agree, Shanir, and I feel like the rebuilding aspect uh, really speaks to that element of being home, of being something more than simply a building. If it were a business, if it were like an apartment building that a contractor were making and it got burned down, I feel like there's no chance that the community would rally behind rebuilding the Walgreens in town. But since it was something that meant so much, it was this mosque that was kind of the fulfillment of these dreams that they had for generations. It was really powerful to, and I think it spoke to the deep faith that the people in that community had. And it was really impressive to see. So I also feel like this idea of rebuilding really connected to the TED Talk that we watched on Monday, or I guess we were supposed to watch on Monday um, from Valerie Carr. Um, she was talking about revolutionary love, um, and especially at the beginning, she was kind of talking about the idea of like love as a labor and connected it to like giving birth. And I felt like this whole idea of this community rallying and putting on all this like time and effort and, and then love into this building was really like an important part of this film for me. I really saw a connection there after watching the TED Talk as well. Um, uh, this. Um, in our conclusion of um, speaking about American, um, the an American mosque, I just want to um, like relate the title of calling it American mosque to a little anecdote that actually happened just yesterday for me. So um, I'm a, a part of the editorial board on the Santa Clara Review, and yesterday I was for the nonfiction editorial board. 
Um, so yesterday I was going to our weekly meeting and I, little did I know, I did not <laughs> walk into the right, like apparently the secretary review room was um, reserved for an author. I literally forgot her name. I'm sorry, guys. But an author who was speaking about her book um, and the meeting, the actual meeting was actually happening outside and I just didn't realize. So for five minutes, I sat down listening to this author speak. Um, she was actually speaking about of her book called, um, I think it's First Comes Marriage, a, a not so typical American lo um, love story. Um, and it's actually about um, a mus Muslim couple. Um, and she was speaking about how like, you know, basically her, like authors really don't have a say in the title that gets chosen in, on their book. <laughs> so like she was saying how like, um, you know, one of the issues she had with the what the editorial board came up with for like her subtitle, not so tip like was um, like calling it not so typical. They originally called it that a not so typical American love um, love story, um, and like she felt that like by calling it not so typical, you're sort of catering to this idea of like othering Muslim um, Americans as not being Muslim, not being American. And I think that's what we need, like needs to be emphasized more. Um, like, you know, like, like an American mosque, like calling it American is showing that like, you know, like sort of solidarity for like, this is um, like, even though it's Muslim is one, like Islam is one sort of, um, you know, religious identity, it's still just as American, um, you know, because like there's so many people in America who practice it. I think it's the sort of the same thing that she, the author was speaking about, which I, once again, I'm sorry, I forgot her name. Um, but like, you know, not not making it so that we're othering this community, but like including them in our American community, because that's really important to like, you know, visibility and normalizing, um, you know, being Muslim and, you know, kind of dis dissipating that fear that we, that is like inherent now in the larger uh, American community. And one thing going off that a little bit is that I found it so shocking that the burning down of the mosque happened in the community it did, because it seems like in such a small city where everyone was there for so many generations, that's the place where it should be normalized and where it should be accepted by the people around them, which made it especially striking. But I guess it goes to show that there's people who just have really trouble accepting anyone who looks different or has a different background than them. And I think that's something that uh, there needs to be something done to kind of not necessarily normalize, but help educate people that, hey, not every way of life is exactly the same. So transitioning to um, Left of Black um, with um, Dr. Suad Abdul-Kabir, um, that interview was interesting. She was speaking about her book, Muslim Cool. I think that was like, so like, I mean, even though, like, I personally don't, like, like hip-hop is not my, like, I listen to hip-hop, but it's not, like, my, the, the genre that I'm, like, that I majority listen to, like, yeah, if that makes sense, I don't even um, <laughs> but, like, it's, I still grew up around it, and I still am around it uh, often, you know, on a kind of friends and family, um, so, like, the fact that she connected hip-hop to Islam, um, and, like, showed the connections in a book was, really interesting, like, not something I, like, initially, like, would have ever expected. Um, like, I know a lot of um, people in hip-hop are Muslim themselves, but they're actually not as, like, 
uh, like I guess vocal about it. You know, like she was saying in um, the other video with CNN, like you know, like visibility of like Muslim people is so important. But like, I mean, like there's Muslim comedians and like is you would never ex- or like just people who are Muslim in, in media, you would never expect that. <laughs> so like, yeah, I I thought that was just an interesting point um, from that those two videos, if anything. I thought it was especially interesting how she she just seems to know so much about the history of hip hop and all of the intricacies involved with it. And she was even mentioning like the song Black or the Berry by Kendrick Lamar and then like transitioned into a root song. I'm like, I've heard both of those songs and I just personally did not notice that. And it shows that like I can enjoy a song and like even listen to it repeated times and try to understand the lyrics and just there's layers and intricacies that people who are super involved in the community who have done their research better can get that extra layer out of and it shows like just the power that music can have yeah I feel like she did mention a lot like like kind of her wonderment about like why don't people notice the influence of Islam and I thought that was really interesting like and I think at some point she had said, like, if you don't see it reflected, it's because your conception of Islam is narrow. So, like, part of it is, like, I feel like when you, like, interpret things like songs, like, it's really good to have, like, different lenses that you look at them through. Like, I when I listen to music, I don't really look at it in, like, a very academic way. So I wouldn't necessarily be looking for religious influences. But I think it's really cool that, like, in her area of academics like that's like what she does like she interprets these songs um in really meaningful ways um but yeah going actually back to what Shanir said earlier about like all of the like black muslim men that like are in pop culture right now like i did not know a lot of the names she mentioned um like people that were in snl and like other musicians like i just I think I just like have not been exposed to the fact that I have not known about the fact that they were Muslim. Um, and I just thought that was really interesting. Like, and I was just kind of thinking about like why that is like, whether um, like media is not exposing their like religious identity mm-hmm. or if like somehow like maybe they're like also not talking about their religious identity because they don't want to face like discrimination. I was just like, thinking about like why it is that I didn't see that. Yeah, I think the like but like the thing about it is like, you know, like whether it's one or the other, like I mean like it's so very much needed. Like her I feel like her book is so very much needed too because like the sort of idea she was speaking about intersectionality of being black and being Muslim. Like the black Muslim community is often like erased from um like you know like just like the larger Muslim community, considering who is Muslim, you know, and like the fact that the Muslim, uh, Muslim community is so diverse, like we need to recognize these communities and like by connecting um, hip hop, which is like was is rooted in like African American history, um, to the Muslim community, she's doing that as well as like giving light to like well like 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 just giving light to this community that like like I said is usually erased. Um, this sort of idea of like um, erasure is also mentioned by um, Deepa. I, yeah. Oh my God, I got it. <laughs> um, in um, We Too Sing America, <laughs> uh, I remember her briefly mentioning um, like uh, something like something about like you know the the black 
Muslim community being um, erased. Uh, I think it's really just like uh, also, it's like, I, I, I think like there's also really interesting because like it's like imagine, or she was speaking about this sort of paradox in, um, in Suad was, Abdul Kabir was speaking about um, this paradox of like anti-Muslim racism plus anti-Black racism as a result of this intersectionality. So it's like, you know, like sort of navigating that and like, I wonder, like, even though I haven't read her book, Muslim Cool, if she, I wonder if she speaks about it um, more in depth in there. I'm sure she does, actually. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, the fact that we've all heard of uh, artists such as Ice Cube and, like, important historical figures such as Malcolm X, but we might not necessarily know about their Muslim identity, speaks to the fact that they're, that just ties together so well and that there's probably a back and forth in between uh, their faith and their uh, what they share, their words and their music. And uh, that I think that's something that we can uh, learn more about. And I am really curious about uh, trying to figure out more and hear more about that back and forth. Um, can I, speaking, another um, quote that I wanted to also mention from the Two Sing America that I feel like uh, closely relates to um, what Dr. Suad Abdul Kapir was speaking about um, was this quote that she wrote, um, racial groups in the middle maintain and reinforce the structure, sometimes with their, their consent. Immigrants of various racial backgrounds internalize racist attitudes towards Black Americans in the process of becoming Americanized. Now, she was speaking in this context. She was speaking about, like, um, you know, some, like, within the Muslim community, there are some groups that, like, you know, sort of like we were speaking about this also in limits of whiteness. There, there's some groups that, like, sort of like accept the sort of a, like categorization of their ethnic identity to be white, and like how that's like even in the Muslim community, not like as a result, like in their Muslim faith, like they're like sort of, um, I guess, how do I say, degrade, they also end up degrading um, black Americans that may also be a part of their Muslim community. And I think that that's like, it's really, it's just really interesting to see how like it just all trickles down and like ends up negatively affecting um, black Americans. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I actually was thinking about that, too. And we actually are I talked about in an earlier learning community about how my mom, who is an Asian immigrant, had like this like anti-blackness kind of like forced upon her when she came here. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm still kind of working on it with her <laughs> to get rid of that. Um, but yeah, that's definitely like an issue for immigrants. And yeah, like you were saying, for non-black Muslims, mm -hmm. like, I thought it was really interesting how like Suad Abdul Kabir um, was talking about like the ways in which like non-black Muslims will like casually like insert anti-blackness when they're talking to black mm -hmm. Muslims, like saying things like, when did you convert? And like, when did you get out of prison? Like, cause those are like oh, the only possibilities. Like when did you convert is like, obviously you had to convert cause there's no way you could have grown up with this faith. And like, when did you get out of prison is like, you know, a step because that's apparently where people get converted. So it's like that's <laughs> the only way you could have become Muslim, right? Yeah. Um, I thought that was like, I mean, it's like kind of funny, but also like I was like, I never would have thought about like those kind of like casually like anti-black comments within mm -hmm. the church setting, um, like how that affects like how you navigate the religion as a black person. Um, yeah. yeah, that was super interesting to me, and yeah, it definitely relates to like what we talked about with like the racial positioning of like Asian Americans 
Iranian Americans. Um, yeah, there's definitely something there. I think uh, one thing that that kind of made me think of is the response. Like, what is the goal moving forward? Like, how can this help create change? And I was thinking about recently, Kanye came out with his new album, Jesus Christ is King. And like last year, Chance came out with Blessings and people were like, oh, there's like religion and rap music. Like, that's so crazy. But it's not. That's something that's been in the history of hip hop for years. And just because it's not the most mainstream religion in the United States doesn't mean that it wasn't there. But I think that it can be a great outlet for helping to create that change that is much needed. Um, so with um, the conclusion of our um, podcast for week seven, um, our learning community reflection for week seven, um, I just want to we just want to really stress uh, the importance of visibility um, because I think that's literally how you break down like sort of fears, barriers. Um, like, you know, like, I feel like it's so, it's just so interesting how inherent, um, like, this sort of fear of Muslim, like, the Muslim community is, is, and, like, and it's almost become, like, a kind of staple of American society to be, like, afraid of this community. But, like, these, um, like, videos do a great job at, like, showing, like, how, like, visibility helps. Um, in like making sure that like we are considering Muslim Americans as American as well. Um, and like, yeah, it's just, that's, I feel like that was a major theme of this, these, this like larger topic in, in these, these videos. Um, but with that, <laughs> uh, we're signing off. Um, thanks for listening to our podcast this week.